Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Podcast on Fifth Ave. It's so good to be back with you. I'm sad I had to miss last week, but Taylor and Jenna did an outstanding job as always. And we finally, finally have made it to the all-star break. I think that the, these past this past week of games alone has really proven that the Penguins need some time off. And it's not concerning. It's just they they're tired. They look really tired because they've they've lost their last what four games. Uh, they've gotten three points out of those four games, which is great. And the fact that they have been able to do so much with all of these losses really is a positive. But they are looking. They were looking really who winded down the stretch. So looking at these, this last week and a half, week or so of games, they, they lost all of them on home ice, not ideal, but they were able to pick up three points in this, in this go of games, which isn't terrible considering everything that they've been up against. And there are a ton of different things that we can talk about. So Taylor what are what are some positives despite the fact that the Penguins have just dropped four in a row? Yeah, I mean, really, you can't look at any of these. Uh, you can't look at any of these losses and really say that any pulling of them. Stats, sorry, yes. <laughs> You're like, what's that music? Just trying to pull up stats. Please don't mind. We're fine. Everything's fine. But anyway, lost my train of thought. Um, you can't look at any of these losses and say, you know, all of, any of them are really like a bad game. Um, and a lot of them, mm-hmm. there are different, you know, elements to look at. I mean, probably that first period they played against um, the Capitals was that Tuesday might have been their best period they've played, uh, mm-hmm. you know, all season. But they came out of it tied 2-2. Um, so, yeah. I would give it up to Shorty, not ideal. But other than that, just like, you know, the, the dominance and possession and everything – They've had a lot of moments like that, but I mean, I think the biggest thing to take away through this stretch is just the power play. Uh, it's been mm. on an unreal run, and it started, if you look back at you know this run, it started back on uh, January 11th, which is when Malkin came back. Since then, uh, they've been operate, operating at a 33.3% success rate, so one in three. Um, they're, they're, they're scoring, that's 12 games. Um... I don't see my power play. It's but it's, it's just like right above a goal a game, thirteen and twelve I think it is. Mm-hmm. So it's just an unreal run, uh, and you talk about um, they just talk about how they're being more aggressive, but then they're also being uh, less high risk. Um, and yeah. the, the really, again, like these are the only games that we've had uh, we've seen as like a full five man unit. Uh, of, you know, Gensel, Rust, Crosby, Malkin, and Latang, And it's the boost that, you know, Malkin's return had on, on the power play. It's, mm-hmm. it's just hard to put into words. It's been impressive to watch for sure. Because what was it this season or last season that they were on like a, oh my God, like an unreal stretch without a goal on the power play. It was like, what 20 some game or 20 I can't even remember the number it was just so surreal that it was like oh there they go another power play and they failed to convert and their penalty kill was great 
but they just were struggling on the man advantage. And even watching them last night, yeah, they ended up losing, but when their power play locked in, oh my God, it was like poetry and motion, the way that they were moving the puck. And it was just like every single time you knew, oh, okay, it's coming. Something's going to happen. And oh, the, the pass would set it up. It's just beautiful, beautiful stuff. And you love to see it. Jenna, what do you do you think that it's mostly Malkin's presence on the power player? Do you think that they've kind of just cracked the code in general? What's going on? Yeah, I think it's probably kind of a combination of the two, because obviously when you bring a guy like Evgeny Malkin back and his firepower and his scoring ability, and he's, you know, he's contributing in the ways too. He's finding the back of the net. I mean, his shot is so lethal. We know what he mm-hmm. brings with that. And then I think it is kind of too, you know, almost that sense of like comfortability, like, okay, this is what it's supposed to be. This is what it's supposed to look like. We have all of our guys. We're all clicking. We're all kind of firing on all cylinders. Yeah. We knew it was going to take a little bit of time, I think, to find that chemistry when he was missing, when Sid was missing. And then obviously yeah. when you have the ups and downs that they had with injuries, with COVID, things along those lines. Now it's like, okay, this team is healthy in, you know, healthy-ish in the sense of what they have in terms of their power play that, hey, we can really fine tune a lot of these things. Because I think also... I mean, we remember too, Malkin just came back as quickly as he did, but like they really hadn't mm-hmm. had a chance to work on it a lot with this group of five guys too. So when you're getting yeah. those practice reps too, and you're, you know, I mean, and also we talked about too, just kind of the stretch of games that they're in the middle of right now, you know, when you're put into those game situations, it's so hard to simulate that during a practice. I mean, we hear mm-hmm. the guys say that all the time that you have the opportunities, Hey, we have another power play. Let's go out. Let's work on this. Let's retool this. Let's see what we need to kind of fine tune. And, I mean, they're really, mm-hmm. like you said, Taylor, 33%. I mean, they're humming on all cylinders at this point. That's a pretty solid. I think they're only behind, what, the Rangers and the Bruins who are operating around wow. the same level. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In, in Since January 11th, they rank uh, third. And something Sullivan also, he kind of alluded to it, um, is something that's helping them is their, their face-off percentage, like on the power play. And that's something that's even improved over the stretch because you go back to January 11th, like kind of when this run started. Since then, um, I mean, the on the their face-offs on the power play have been good. It's 57.9%. I mean, that that's good. But then since, um, you know, that's kind of steadily been growing ever since then. And since uh, the 22nd of January, their win percentage on face-offs on the power play is 73.7%, which is... Uh, number one, you know, in the league in that stretch by oh almost four percentage <laughs> point, but like 73%. That's crazy. And that's something that really, I mean, not Malkin, because Malkin's not the one, um, you know, take, mm-hmm. he might, you know, jump in if somebody gets tossed, but that's not him. So uh, it's, mm-hmm. yeah, Malkin's return has boosted a lot of his, but then, I'll, you know, it's not, it's not just him that's, uh, you know, leading to the success. Yeah, they've definitely found a way to kind of lock in on a lot of levels. And I mean, even just looking at individual player performances like Jake Gensel, he, my God, he's been playing just so well. And he hit the 300-point milestone this past week. Like, just unreal stuff from him. And even looking at Casey DeSmith, we were we were pretty – tough on him rightfully so uh, at the beginning of the season because he just wasn't looking like he had looked in previous seasons where he was a very dependable number two he was looking like 
just absolutely a train wreck. And for him to come out and play the way that he did in his last start, like he, he was the reason that the Penguins were able to make it to overtime and get that point at all. Like he, he looked really good and it's definitely worth noting that these guys of this caliber and of this importance are starting to, I mean, not just Jake Ensel's always had his game, but Casey DeSmith is starting to hopefully find his game. Maybe. I don't know. Is that what's happening? Uh, yeah, well, just to, just to touch on Gensel real, real quick. So you mentioned he, you know, hit his 300th NHL point. Um, he's this—he's only the seventh member of his 2013 draft class to reach that milestone, um, and he's the—he's the first to do so outside of the top ten picks. So obviously, a third round pick. Um, so the other, you know, six were top ten picks, kind of expected. But uh, and then of those seven who have already hit it, he's the quickest to do it. So he did it in 338 mm-hmm. games. He beat Nathan McKinnon, Barkov, Monahan, Horvat, <laughs> Lindholm, Seth Jones, like wow. these big names. Of course, some of those guys came to the league a bit earlier. You know, Nathan McKinnon when he was playing as an 18-year-old. But for Gensel to um, and just just an unreal one, but like you said, kind of expected. But yeah, Casey to Smith. You know, it was funny. So it was the episode that you missed last week, but, you know, Jen and I were talking about it and I, I was like, well, you know, he got new pads, so I'm sure that'll fix it. But, like, yeah. you know, but then Casey talks. Did after, it? it might have. Yeah. Casey talks after that game and, you know, he, of course, he's incredible 30 saves on 32 shots against the Red Wings. And um, like the second question I asked him in the press conference and I was like, you know, you, you broke out new pads, like, you know, three games ago and he was, you know, backing up. And I was like, is there a reason for that? Or like, is it like a, you know, look good, feel good, play good type thing. And mm-hmm. he was like, actually kind of, he's like, you know, after the Columbus game, which is, you know, he got yanked in Columbus after the first period. He's like, I just needed to get out of those pads. They had bad juju. Um, and, you know, so those are mostly gold. These new ones are white with, with gold on the sides. And he said mm-hmm. the white he thinks looks big, bigger. Um, and the new pads kind of make him feel bigger. So the new pads, kidding, we're kidding about it, but apparently it is helping him. Uh, but, yeah, just, again, he that's the only game he's played since then. So I don't know if, you know, mm-hmm. it's that his if you look at his whole body of work, he had a whole lot more bad games and good games so I don't know if he can just have that one great performance against Detroit um you can say okay the backup goalie problem solved but it's just a great you know step for him something he can build on at least moving forward here on absolutely avenue we uh see the future we predict the future uh we uh what is it we put things out in the world we manifest things there we go Mm -hmm. yes of course we do yep yeah so oh go ahead no, you go ahead. What are we going to do? Go ahead. <laughs> can, we also, can we just talk about, too, the save on Dylan Larkin in overtime? I can't, oh stop, my watching God. I can't stop watching mm-hmm. that. Unreal. Yeah, and that's unreal. You go back to when he was having, you know, this kind of bad stretch and even routine saves he would look shaky on. But then you see Dylan Larkin mm-hmm. flying up a two-on-one in overtime and the, mm-hmm. the the defenseman that's back is Malkin who if, yep. if any of the players you're gonna have out there in three and three the one guy playing D and a two-on-one that you would not want it's probably Malkin but yeah it, Larkin he gets the two-on-one yeah. he shoots and Casey just gloves it down the save of the game he did kind of downplay oh it God. after and he's like you know sometimes he just puts it in the right <laughs> spot and it makes you look good or whatever I don't know but 
uh, you, you see, the, the, the game was big for his confidence. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, that save kind of said it all because that's just such a difference from, again, like the routine saves in Columbus or even when he was making them, like they looked shaky. Yeah, right. He just, he looked totally unflappable. And like you said, is this the answer to the backup goalie solution problem? Uh, we don't know. But it is a step in the right direction, and the Penguins have a lot of things that they're going to have to figure out going into this offseason, going into the trade deadline. And if they can find the answer in Casey DeSmith, who's already on the roster, that would be amazing. Why don't we take a quick break, and we will be right back. And we are back. One final piece of just unbelievable hockey that we have been able to witness recently is what Brian Rust has accomplished over the last several months. He is just, it seems like he just gets better and better and better. And he's a forward who's approaching 30, but he's playing the best hockey that we've ever seen him play. And he is kind, I mean, I would say he's on it this current point he's on the same level as guys like Sid and Jake carrying this team. He's one of the only guys currently who is scoring and he's just been doing unbelievable stuff this season. So Jenna, what do you attribute that to? Like what, what has this meant for the, this hockey team to have a guy like Brian Russ performing the way that he is? It's kind of that, I almost want to say that give and take type thing because, you know, we're seeing Brian Rust score a bunch. We're seeing Jake Gensel contribute. We're seeing Sid, obviously. We're seeing Malkin. But then there's the whole question of like, okay, the top lines are really performing. But mm-hmm. then depth and there's question marks. Yeah. There. I mean, no doubt it's just been undeniable. It's been so fun to watch what Brian Rust has been doing and just the way, I mean, he finished the month in January as the NHL's third star of the month. He had... 10 goals, 11 points, I believe, in 11 mm. games. Yeah, so um, 20, almost two points per game. Yeah, 11 yeah, oh my God. I mean, my God. Bonkers. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I think he led the NHL in points per game up to, mm-hmm. like, through the month of January, which has been phenomenal. And obviously you can attribute to the Penguins having as much success as they did and them going on the streaks that they were going on, the point streaks, the win streaks, all that. Um, and mm-hmm. then he's just kind of carrying things right over, you know, he's scoring a couple. Like, yeah. you, know, you just always look at him and see he has the hot hand, but you can see it even more now. And he's just playing so loose. He's playing so confidently, which never is really an issue with him, I feel like, up to what we've seen recently. But Mm -hmm. it's just been fun. It's just been exciting to watch. And that's what you want to see. I know there's so much talk around is, you know, are they potentially going to use him in a trade? Are they potentially, what's what's his future? I know. I know nobody wants to hear it. Um Go yeah, ahead. I, I, no, yeah, because you, he's, he's a free agent. So the question is, is he going to price himself out of Pittsburgh? Because right now his he cap is, is three point five million. Yeah, you got to, you got to resign him. What Carter just got resigned? He's getting, uh, so the cap goes up a million next year. What the, the Penguins are paying Jack Johnson goes up seven hundred fifty thousand. Jeff Carter got a five hundred thousand raise. So all, all, right there, you know, you're in the, the negatives. You're gonna have to move, you know, money out. Brian yeah. Ross due for the biggest raise probably of anyone. 
and then you know also the unknown of you know Malkin and Latang, and if you're gonna have to keep if you're gonna have to let someone go probably Russ but yeah again the reason people are talking about him for like a trade is if you if you can't resign him you let him walk in free agency lose him for yeah. nothing I, if if you know if they can't resign him yeah. and and this is his last season, then yeah, I think you do let him walk in in free agency. Yeah, that's fine to do. You don't have to move every player for a rental. You know, like the the Penguins are in win right. now. They're in win now mode. Um, the Penguins are the team that should be acquiring rentals, not selling their rentals off. Yeah, and what? And you- that's the thing. Like if you look at it as strictly. Either we trade Brian Rust away right now and get a return, or we lose him for nothing in the summer. It's completely discounting the contribution that he would be making to this team in a cup run. And that's what you kind of have to look at. Like, he is an invaluable player. You cannot be talking about trading him away before his contract is up. He's still a part of the team, and he is doing – more than most of the guys on this team right now, like Jenna, you mentioned the depth scoring is a real issue right now. Like you cannot possibly consider trading him away because the depth scoring is just like dried up. It's gone. Like what's going on there? First, I mean, for Rust, you'd think even if you were to move him for a rental, you'd be getting back maybe picks and prospects. So if you think about it, like – if you could, if you could, you know, trade at the deadline, uh, like a pick at a prospect and get someone back, a, a rental back of mm-hmm. Russ's caliber, you would do it. Um, yeah. So then you should not then do the reverse and move him out for picks and prospects because right. by the time yep. that pick is going to be ready to be in the NHL, the core is going to be gone, um, and it's mm-hmm. not going to make the rebuild go by any easier, any quicker. They're going to be a decent yeah. team anyway. But yeah, um, depth scoring. <laughs> Con, like you said, in this Bad. losing streak, these last four games, um, the Penguins have seven power play goals and two even strength goals, and the two even strength goals are Rust and, and Gensel. Uh, and I mean, even before that, you know, guys like Rodriguez, Heinen have kind of you know dried up because I mean, we've been talking about all year, you know, what has carried the Penguins through these injuries and the COVID and all that when they had so many of their key guys out. And it's, you know, those kind of depth guys stepping up producing and that has kind of fallen off. Uh, Teddy Bluger's injury is a big part of that too. Cause mm-hmm. that just throws yeah. off the whole, the whole bottom six. I mean, just defensively too, what he brings. Right. <laughs> Saltman said he thought it was kind of a mixed bag, how they handled him, him being out. He didn't seem too, too happy with it. Um, just that, what his, that effect has on, on the bottom six. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a, uh, that's a problem. Yeah. And then there's kind um, of the question too, with like who fits with Malkin. Cause I feel like we're yeah. seeing so many combinations. I do. And I've been talking with a couple of people about this, but I do really like Rodriguez and Malkin together and then whoever Mm -hmm. you have on the other side but those two seem to Rodriguez creates for Malkin in a way that I don't Mm -hmm. think a lot of other guys on the team do not necessarily knocking some of those other players but I think like almost it kind of reminds me a little bit in Buffalo of what Rodriguez would do for Jack Eichel where it's like Mm. hey you know he has those puck skills to get in the zone and say hey I'll set you up in this way knowing that they can play a little bit more of that high risk style that Malkin brings to that line but I mean again with with Teddy Bluger being out for as long as he is which 
feels long or not too long, depending on how you're looking at it. But um, I, it really is kind of shaking things up and mm-hmm. you, you can feel the inconsistency a little bit. Yeah, for sure. And this people like just the timing of it because uh, it does kind of coincide with Malkin coming back. So people like to put it on Malkin. But mm. if you look at like, you know, the advanced numbers with Malkin and um, when he's on the ice compared to, you know, when he wasn't, you know, before he came back, nothing has really dipped. Even like the mm-hmm. the, tur- the turnovers, possession like that, he's not having a negative impact when he's on the ice. It's so if if the bottom six guys, if it's a matter of them like taking their foot off the gas because now they have all those stars back, it's not mm-hmm. that's not Malkin's fault if that's yeah. What's happening. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. It does it does coincide with that. So you have to look at you know is that is that what's happening but mm-hmm. it's not something where Malkin himself is having a negative impact when he's on the ice oh no. absolutely not and I think that he's such a unique player that it does require a certain level of chemistry to play alongside him he's just yeah. so different and it's not again it's not his fault that things are happening the way that they are it's just we're you know halfway through the season he came back in January and the team kind of established a certain level of play and chemistry. And because he is so good, him coming back to the lineup, just it shakes things up. And he, like, last season, there was sort of some level of chemistry between him and Kasperi Kapanen that was kind of there, kind of not. You were curious about it. But even that now, like, it just, it totally changes the way that the lines look and you know yeah missing Teddy Bluger hurts a lot but whenever you do get accustomed to seeing certain things like okay yeah Evgeny Malkin and Kasperi Kapanen they're kind of developing something they're working with something and then Malkin comes back and Kasperi Kapanen has basically been um a non-factor uh, a like, dud yeah yeah all season like it just, that's not on Malkin but it's like no. who do you put on his line with him but yeah you like well, and what do you do with Kapanen Cap- needs- yeah exactly yeah, what do you do with Kapanen exactly. because uh, there were really you know good stretches of him and Malkin just the passing plays they were making mm-hmm. last season and you know you're hoping that would come back when Malkin would come back and we just haven't seen it and so he's not – you're not getting the production from him when he's on Malkin's line, and he really is not a guy that should be, like, on the fourth line. So then no. what do you do? People want to trade him, but, like, his trade value right now has never been lower. So it, I don't know what you're expecting to get back from him. Um, yeah. It's it just tough. I, it, he just needs to get it together. I mean, that's the answer. Um, yeah. I don't know if we'd get to a point where he'd be healthy scratched for someone who could – contribute um Mm -hmm. who would actually fit that bottom six role and kind of would be able to play that role and then also contribute offensively uh people there are a couple of options in Wilkes-Barre who I think could you know step in and and add some offense um I don't think Sam Poole and Nathan Legere quite yet so they were healthy scratch not that long ago honestly if you would have asked me like before they were healthy scratched. They looked like they were both kind of leaning towards like bust category. Obviously, very early in their career. It's too early to call them a bust. Yeah. It's like you're really not seeing anything. But both of them, since they were healthy scratched, honestly, the most encouraging they've looked all year. 
again, mm-hmm. this kind of run, you just want to see that more consistently. So I wouldn't call them up yet. But the two, if you're looking at offense, um, Alex Nylander, he's been unreal. Um, six goals, five assists in 13 games. It seemed when he got acquired that maybe the concern was his defensive game, but I haven't seen that being an issue at all. You ask, uh, like, ask like JD Forrest, and he says, you know, he's doing all the things we want him to do. It's just a matter of like we want to see him do it over a long period of time, build that consistency, so we know it's like built in. This isn't like a situation like you like Daniel Sprong. When they bring in Daniel Sprong, Daniel Sprong was down in Wilkesbury. He had a bad 200-foot game. He didn't want to get better defensively. I mean, he would talk about. You, you know, you'd ask him about it, and he's like, I'm never going to be the 200-foot player that everyone wants. Like, that's a real quote he said one mm-hmm. time. This is not in, this is not a Daniel Strong-type situation. Like, Nylander sees the value, um, and he's working on it. He's actually doing it well. And then the other one, Valtteri Pustinen. With, I mean, he was a seventh-round pick in 2019, 5'9", a little Finnish kid, but he's been Wilkes-Barre's best forward all season. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Wilkes-Barre's produced a lot of, you know, bottom six-type players who have you know seen NHL time you know like Angela Lafferty Bjorkwist but they haven't really produced like a real like top six forward maybe since Jake Gensel Valtteri Pustinen is the closest thing they've had to Gensel since Gensel and just because he is you know very he he offense first that doesn't mean he's weak defensively Um, Mm -hmm. he's actually very good defensively and I maybe you know those European players coming over sometimes adjusting to the North American game. Their defensive game is a concern, and you know, like I asked you know JD Forrest about it recently, and it was for it was like he was almost puzzled why I was asking like about his defensive game. He was like, um, he's like, I don't know if he ever had a rap for that, but you know, I haven't seen that here at all. Um, So he's responsible. Uh, he makes mm-hmm. good decisions with the puck. He's even gotten faster since he's been over here, and and he's again he's been their best forward all season. So I'd like to see him get a shot. And he's even learning English now. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of Finns now. He came he came over not speaking like really a word uh, of English, like very minimal. We it's, he's still not good enough for us to like interview him. Um, but I mean, he's had like you know like four five other Finns with him all season, and. JD Forrest, he told me that the other Finns, if, if Pustinen speaks to them in Finnish, they make him talk to him in English. So, uh, you know, he's getting more comfortable, you know, on and off the ice. And you mm-hmm. ask anyone about him down there and they automatically like, smile, laugh, and they talk about, like, he's taken on, like, the reputation of, like, a jokester. Like, even, like, now that he's getting more comfortable off the ice and, like, comfortable with his English enough to use it, he's, like, the class clown. Uh, and everyone loves him. <laughs> So I'd like to see him get a, get a shot up here, even though we wouldn't be able to to interview him probably. Kapanen could be his translator. Um, and then there you go. He has a purpose. Um, all the problems are solved. We did it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here's I. I'm just hopeful that in this All Star break they will they will be able to you know do some soul searching and realize this just is not working with Casperi Kapanen and figure out what they can do to fill in that slot to, to kind of reactivate some of the depth scoring and maybe even move his salary out the books. We'll see. Why don't we take another break and we will be right back. And we are back with 
what is probably your favorite segment of each episode, all of the fun stuff. So quite a few things have happened over the past week or two. Uh, Jeff Carter, uh, big Jeff Carter, he's getting his Welch's fruit snacks. And I just, I once again feel the need to state how much of that is due to us. Like, I just, I feel respond. I feel like we're responsible for that. Um, we, we really made that happen. And Jeff, you're welcome. Uh, Welch's you're welcome. Uh, just for the people that don't yep. remember it was, yeah, the opening road trip of the season, they're going to Florida and the penguins, mm-hmm. you know, they post the pictures of him at the airport and Jeff's getting on the plane and he's yep. holding a grocery bag and it's like a big bag of fruit snacks in there yeah and like i had screenshotted it and like tweeted it and we're like how how many fruit snacks is this man eating and i saw him like i remember it was like after the game like in tampa and like we're walking out uh at the same time and i was like you get all those fruit snacks and uh he's like yeah within like the first five minutes on the on the plane and that's when we started like you know hyping it up and yeah and then Mm -hmm. they ship him a box and welches i mean you look at because they just shipped, like, a like a football player. I can't remember who it was. Like, you know, said the same thing. He had tweeted about it, so they just sent him a box. They got very minimal engagement on that. But then they do it for Jeff Carter, and they're getting, like, you know, like, 2,000 retweets. And, like, Jeff yep. Carter, you yep. know, he remember he retweeted, like, the gif of, like, the fruit snacks, like, pouring on his face. So, and then, yeah, he, he resigns the extension, and they tweeted him unprovoked like congrats on the extension mm-hmm. you're gonna have another box of fruit snacks coming your way and yeah what we jen and i were talked about on, on last week that uh you know like tuka rask resigns in 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 boston and bud light is sending him cases of bud mm-hmm. light uh and like they sign it like you know an extra you know he, they give him his own little contract and it's like if the bruins win the cup we're gonna give you like this much bud light and it's like the silence from bud light on the on the Jeff Carter extension is deafening. Um, huge snub, like mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. me honestly. That's uh, the next. I'm it's unfair. Next order of business. <laughs> while we're manifesting things, what we're on like a Pustinen call up, uh, and Bud Light mm-hmm. Platinum get in the game. Welch's fruit snacks. They're they got a two two nothing yeah. lead on you right now. You can't you can't let Welch's mm-hmm. fruit snacks uh, be like that. No. Oh my God! Yeah, give the man his Bud Light Platinum. He's earned it. He has earned it. I lo- God. I like that. Like, because what his wife is kind of you know big on Twitter and like she sees these memes about because mm-hmm. well, when they had like their little holiday baskets that they put together, she tweeted like, "Oh, there's no like Bud Light Platinum in this." So like she sees all the memes <laughs> that people make about Jeff Carter. So um, I think that's funny that Which they like amazing. it. They kind of play. They play mm-hmm. into it. But yeah, God, Bud Light Platinum. Get get in on yeah. this. Oh my God, seriously, get in the game. And it's just, it's so fun to watch the families, like the wives of of these players on social media because like, Taylor, you've been sending us stuff from from Evgeny Malkin's wife, of their son Nikita all week. And like, he is just adorable. Oh my God, he is so precious. And I like, we've been reminiscing even for, for from like, years ago pre-pandemic of Alex Latang at the all-star game like these these penguins children are so adorable I don't even know what to do with it they are just like so invested in this game and what's going on not because the video that you sent that 
Malkin's wife posted on Instagram, like that was of their son cheering for Sid right before he scored. Yeah. So it's like they just they care He's, so much about this game, and it's so freaking he cute. He loves the, mm. the play developing. He saw Sid get the scoring chance, and I. Th- it's funny, like he sa- he says like seed, like just like Malkin does. Like <laughs> that's where he says his name, like seed. seed. <laughs> and then... Oh. Alex Latang, I mean, that was the highlight of the All-Star game in St. Louis two years ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, because, you know, like, Latang, he had his little media availability at the pod, and he had Alex on his lap, and, you know, we're asking Latang questions to start, but then Alex just kind of starts answering. Um, and then, so then it just kind of turns into, like, uh, an Alex Latang press conference. He answers a couple questions, and then he tells, you know, he w- I remember he whispered to, like, Chris, so he's like, you can talk now. Um, so then, like, we go back to... I think, like, someone asked Chris, like, one more question, and then, like, before he's even done answering, like, Alex steps in and, ans- you know, picks up the answer, and he starts answering the question. Um, so oh, then my God. I, I remember oh. what Chris ended up doing is, like, he just kind of stepped away from the podium and just, like, plopped Alex down on the chair. He's like, you're the show here. Uh, and I remember what he even said, you know, he's going to play for the Penguins one day. Um, if his He said he's going to play with his dad and – if his dad's gone, you know, if his dad's not playing, uh, then he'll wear his number. But if his dad is still playing, he's going to wear Crosby's number. So, mm-hmm. Oh, my God. I don't know. But, I uh, mean, because, yeah, he plays. Uh, Malkin's son plays. Um, Malkin's wife, Anna, posts videos of him on the ice, too. And what he was born, he what is he, six years old? Because he was born in like, oh 20, 2016. I don't know what your average six-year-old looks what? like on the ice, but – the video she was from skating, like, the footwork, like, he looks, like, good. And, like, wow. the picture, yeah. you know, she posted of him and Crosby on, on Wednesday. Yeah, he's, he's – is that tall for a six-year-old? It looks, like, tall for – like, he's going to be a big guy. <laughs> so, um, I don't know when he's draft eligible. Someone has to do the math. But um, oh my God. first-round pick. Can we also – can we just – him and Iceberg, like, the, the – wait, hold on. The the pure happiness on this child's face, like giddy, just absolutely giddy. Oh you know who he, he uh, looks like? People keep saying he looks like Malkin. No, he looks exactly like Malkin's dad. Uh, yeah, he looks so much like Malkin's dad. But um, yeah, I love I, you know the kids being around. They're they're around all the time. Zucker's kids are around all the time. Carter's kids. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna give Malkin. Yeah, I wouldn't. She posted the one. It, it it was like it was. I mean, it was like two years ago. But you know, he had like the year, but the team yearbook. And forever, and he's like going through and he's pointing and he's like naming the players. Uh, he's like Chris Letang. He had like turned because what he would have been four by then. He said like Kistang. Like, <laughs> oh my god, made it one word, but it was like Papa Crosby uh, Gensel. I don't know. Yeah. I cute. loved his Crosby when he rolled his R. He was like Crosby. <laughs> it was beautiful. I'm like, you are magical. 
oh, they're too much. And it's just, oh, it's just so much goodness within one organization. How is that even possible? Like their parents are talented. Their children are super freaking cute. Like, oh, I just can't wrap my mind around it. And it's just so good. It's so good. And I just hope that they keep posting that content because especially in the midst of some unsavory losing streaks like that. Those are the, those are the ultimate bright spots to be able to watch their, their kids just care so much about what they're doing. Oh my God. It just, it's heartwarming. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're going to wrap it up. Uh, Thank you everybody for listening. As always, we drop new episodes every Thursday. So we'll be here waiting for you next week make sure that you're subscribed wherever it is you listen to podcasts so you don't ever miss an episode well we will see you next time